there is so much gratitude in my heart for all of you. I got my first jobs from people in the church. Every, every significant moment of my life with God happened in this church. I got saved in this church. The Lord found me and he gave me a home in this church. This week, in thinking about today, just so many faces and experiences, and I remember uh, praying for salvation, surrendering my heart to the Lord at 11 years old. I remember so vividly being filled with the Spirit and having an experience of the Holy Spirit enveloping me to where I spoke in tongues for the first time. That was all here. Going on missions trips. I met my wife on a missions trip with this church because God brought her here. I got married in this church. Preached for the first time in this church. 16 years old. It was a really short sermon. One of those moments you realize, well, I thought that was going to be a little longer than it was. <laughs> what do I do now? <laughs> um, what, what came to mind were the experiences that involved people. From experiences of being prayed for a ministry time, singing songs that, that just, they captured my soul because God was coming after me all of those years and all of that time. So it, it's a bit terrifying to be launched from here. And I think all of us on the church planting team will have to fight um, the thought that we're sinning by not showing up here, <laughs> that we're somehow we're forsaking the assembling together. We just skip over Hebrews 13. Just don't read that anymore. We're not in Lakeview, so you can't read that. <laughs> don't want conviction. For so many of us, we share the same depth of relationship, the same thrill and adventure, and heartache, and suffering, and joys. So many of us that are, are going to plant this church were saved here, and had significant moments of experiencing the presence of God together with friends, with loved ones, with family, that there's a whole lot of mixed emotions going on. 
excited to bring the gospel to the lost. It's compelling. But on the other side, we're going, but we really, really like Lakeview. We really do. And that, that is because of your investment in all of us. Your investment, your love, your relationship, the years of that, for a lot of us, it's a lot of years. I didn't tally up how many years are represented of years at Lakeview Christian Center that are now being launched into new territory for us personally. But it's, it's a lot. And we have, I think I can say it this way, we we have a mark upon us because of your love and the steadfast love and faithfulness of the Lord in this place that we've been able to partner with you and experience and be transformed. We have such a mark on us that we'll always be one. We'll always be together We'll always share those moments. We'll always share the depth of the experience of, of just hearing a prophetic word that you knew. God was just saying, I, I know where you are, and I'm letting you know I know where you are, but I'm also giving you a promise of me to believe in. Those are significant, life-altering moments that capture us, and we share those together. The investment that's been made in me is the envy of most pastors. Being blessed to be the youth pastor here for a good many years, I, I, and in relationship with the other youth pastors in the city, I was known, I became quickly, I started to figure this out as their transition started happening and youth pastors would lose their jobs or leave the place where they were youth pastoring, uh, sometimes not even be in pastoring anymore, but there was some type of relational fallout that was there. And we'd be in prayer times together and, and we used to have a weekly youth pastor prayer time that I would attend and to hear these guys expressing true heartache over the experience that they were, uh, they had a couple of youth pastors in this room, yeah, no, I know what you're talking about, that happened to me, such and such, I'm sorry, and they'd kind of look at me and I'd say, I, I have no idea what you're talking about, and they, what do you mean you don't have any idea? Um, I get along with all the other pastors, and I love them, and they love me, and it's really been a fun ride. And I really enjoy being able to, to serve with them, under them. Um, but the investment, I, I was thinking about the investment that was made to me uh, just by parents as I stepped into youth ministry and Frank and Annette, Loria and Steve and Linda Roberts and AJ and Darlene DeSherry just became my cheerleaders. meant a lot. The investment of 
Bill Treatby and Phil Widener and Steve Roberts and Peter and Keith and giving me a job, but also loving me all along the way. These men are fathers to me. I am so grateful. But to grateful to, to grow up uh, into what I hope is mature manhood. <laughs> Though I still love to have fun and injure, I mean, play with youth, teenagers. I just love having fun, but I, I, I'm hopeful that I'm hopeful I can lead like them when I do grow up. I have a degree from a seminary here in New Orleans at the Baptist Seminary, and I learned some great and valuable tools while there. What I learned from my friends on staff is how to use which tools and with what tenderness so it cares for people. And I, I hope, I trust, I hope you have been cared for. Because I, I count it such a blessing to have known all of you for so long. If you were ever in the youth group and we got to hang out and have fun together, Your love for me refined me and matured me for right now. I mean, we had some fun, particularly with the Ebuyer boys. They just always provided comic relief for us. <laughs> David DeSherry, still, I think of stories of him, and I still laugh hard. <laughs> Man, he was funny. But to still have those relationships today is really, really unique. always been competitive and I, I again I hope the Lord has refined my competition to where it's not lethal and I will dominate you <laughs> but I I like to play to win and so usually games that I would think of involve games that I could play 
and games that I would try to win. And as uh, one of those being battle ball, which is just God's gift to youth pastors. <laughs> we were at a youth camp a few years ago, and there was another group there. We, of course, we bring our own battle balls everywhere we go. So there's a gym we knew. So we'd be there, and this other youth group is kind of getting in on, hey, can we play? And then somebody had the bright idea, probably one of our guys had the bright idea, hey, why don't we do youth group against youth group? And as soon as I heard that, I went, oh, they're done for. <laughs> it is not wise for them to do. Uh, but I had these guys, I could look across, and they, some of them were so irritated with me because I would just stand over there, like not my little strategies, and just pick people off all the time. And they'd look at me, and I think at one point, one of the guys said, where's y'all's youth pastor? Because he was so irritated. I don't know, somewhere over there, in the cafeteria or something, I'm not sure. <laughs> it was fun to see when Jonathan Fry, when he was in eighth grade, could not beat me at ping pong, and it drove him crazy. Where's Jonathan? There you are. It drove you crazy, didn't it? And he would go home and he would practice, and he would practice. When he was a junior... Maybe a sophomore. I might give him a little more credit. Maybe a sophomore. He finally beat me. <laughs> he, put, he put the ping pong paddle down and he went, yes! <laughs> See, that is awesome. <laughs> but all of those, all of those joys, all of those everythings bring us to right now. Because all of those happen in the context that we're going to see in this passage, happen in the context of being in a home, a nest. Uh, Deuteronomy 32 is, is Moses' song to the people of God upon their entrance, right before their entrance into the promised land. Moses knows he's not going. God's allowed him to go up on a ledge to see it. And he's now recounting not, uh, not so much, though he, he's, he's letting the people of God know, here's who you've been to God. But the bigger reality is I want to remind you of who God has been to you. Because who God has been to you is the same God that's going to be that God to you in the promised land when you go over to conquer everything. And go in there and conquer everything. So he gives this, we're going to pick up just a few verses Verse 10, he found him, and that's Jacob. And we see that from verse 9, God's people, his covenant people. He found him in a desert land and in the howling waste of the wilderness. He encircled him. He cared for him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, bearing them up on its pinions. The Lord alone guided him. No foreign god was with him. He made him ride on the high, pl high places of the land. He ate the produce of the field, and he suckled him with the honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock, curds from the herd and milk from the flock with fat lambs, rams of Bashan, and goats with the very finest of the wheat. And you drank foaming wine made from the blood of the grape. It's a picture of God's 
provision for his people. But the first thing we find in verse 10 is that God finds his people. And God has found each one of us and located us exactly in this place for his purpose. But what's fun about God is that he doesn't simply, hey, uh, you've got these people in your life that are, they're the A-type personality. They're on to the next thing, even halfway through the conversation with you. They're, half, they're asking you to do something, and halfway through, they're asking somebody else to do something. You know those type of people? God's not, thankfully, God's not that way, or we would be really frustrated with God. God, I just don't know what you want me to do. You're talking over here and over there. God says, I found you. And I found you in a desert land. God finds us in the desert of our own sinfulness when we have looked for every available remedy that we can think of, that we can put our mind out there, every remedy of experience to escape what? To escape the desert. To escape, I'm sick of feeling this way. And we look and try to find an oasis. And we think we find an oasis here, but we scoop up sand only to drink it in. And again, we find, oh, if only, if only I had something that would fill and satisfy forever. God came to us and he put living water in that cup. When his son took another cup, and it was the cup of, his, of the Father's wrath toward our sin. But Jesus replaces that cup now that we can have filled with living water to never thirst again. That's what we enjoy. God finds us. He locates us. We respond to the gospel. We experience salvation along with those around us. It's no, it's no coincidence. It's no accident that we are surrounded with the people that we are when we when we get saved. And all of us can think back to those formative years and moments when we realize, man, if it wasn't for that person, they, they deposited something huge in me, even if it was an invitation to lunch or they came and prayed for me. And I remember that prayer. I, that, I remember. Lender Esty. Do you remember Lender, those of you who've been here a long time? Probably with the Lord because he was old then. I just felt he, he, which was cool. I don't know how he was. I mean, I was a teenager at the time, so he looked really old. He could have been 50. I don't know. But <laughs> as I'm getting older, I'm like, 70's not that old. <laughs> I don't think that's old. He went up for a prayer time, and I just had a sense in me just to go pray. I had no idea. I didn't pray out loud, but I just walked up to him, put my hand on his back. Just waited. And then I think I just asked the Lord to bless him. So I went and sat back down. He came to me with tears in his eyes. And he said, that's the first time someone so young has prayed for me. That was a long time ago. That's a good over 20 years ago that that took place. And it's still impacts me that this man had such a sensitivity to God and gratefulness in his own heart that with tears in his eyes came and said thank you because that ministered to him that somebody so young would care it was in this church as I think a 10 year old that I sat and listened to a mother 
who we, we'd been praying for her son. We'd been praying for a baby named Ryan. I had no idea what the situation was. I had no idea what the concern was. But everybody in the church was praying for Ryan. We're praying for Ryan. And a few weeks later, the mom comes in and sits with us. And with tears in her eyes, says, God healed my baby. I had no idea who she was. I didn't know the, the boy until I saw him as a baby sitting right there. But you know what God did in that moment? He let me know. I heal people. And that has stuck with me. Actually, at, at Gina's grandmother's funeral, I saw Gwen. And I said, Gwen, I've got to tell you this. It's so cool that I'm seeing you right now. And I told her the story. She's weeping. I'm crying again. And she said, Ryan is servant God faithfully in the Dallas area today, 25 years old. I said, that is just so cool. But God used that family to awaken in me something about God that's never left. That's what God does when he finds us. And, you know, he also finds us in wilderness places. He finds us in wilderness places when maybe it's a season of doubt that we're walking through, a season of wandering emotionally, even relationally, caving in, not wanting to talk to people. There's, there's seasons of rebellion where we avoid coming to church because we just want to do our own thing. We're tired of doing it the Lakeview way. There's no Lakeview way. We're, but in our sin, we think that. All of us do. Those people, they're going to tell me something. I'm not showing up there. We hope that it's the Holy Spirit that's telling you something already. And that's right. We make these little weird arguments to avoid other people. Not going to come in a group. There's those people. And then we start being critical of everybody else when really it's, it's our own rebellion that we're not seeking to deal with. Seasons of depression. We have seasons in our lives. And when you are part of church long enough, you, you discover these seasons in your own life and you walk with the Lord. But you also discover these seasons with everybody else you're walking with. But you know, the uniqueness is that God in those moments is communicating himself through our love, through our steadfast faithfulness, emulating his faithfulness toward us. We are that to those people in our lives and we begin to care for and walk. And, and you know that person, that's the, you, when they start sharing, you know where it's going. It's the same struggle, the same issue. But it's not responding with that critical comment. Well, just get over it already but with a care and a, and a patience that the Savior has with us. So you know what? We're going to pray one more time. We're going to pray again for you. That's how God captures us. But he captures us. He sees us in these wilderness experiences. He captures us with specific people, specific worship songs, messages, covenant group meetings, retreats, prayer times. I hope your mind is flooded right now with examples of that. Oh, I remember, remember this, and I remember that. And we see an old picture from somewhere. And I hope if it's an old picture of a church event, this is what happens to me. What's flooding my mind in that moment is who God was to me. And wow, look at that person, and look at that person. I remember we had a conversation. I was helping my mother move yesterday and see a picture from us. Uh, as a church in 2006, when we do those thank you cards at First, ba uh, First Baptist Kenner, remember everybody was waving. Y'all remember that little panoramic, panoramic shot? You know who's right there? Brian Elks. Man, he's with Jesus. 
But you know what? In that moment, I'm thinking of all the conversations I had with Brian and how much his life ministered to me. See, the, we have people, we have specific faces and names to attach who God is to us as we're a part of his covenant family, a part of his faith family, prophetic words that, you know, stick with you because God just said, I'm here and pay attention to me. God has cared for us all at Lakeview Christian Center. He has uniquely communicated to us how we are the apple of his eye. So a lot of times we can be asking God to show us, God, remind me of your affection for me. Remind me of, of who I am to you because I'm struggling. I have doubts. My, I, my mind wants to wander. I, don't, I feel like giving up. Remind me who you are. And I, I hope in those moments you allow the Holy Spirit to show you who he is and how people have come around you to minister to you through the years. Because we can get irritated with those people more than we're aware of. God used you. God used you in my life, and he communicated to me, I love you, I'm with you, and I've put you in a family so you can experience the benefit of that family, but also to experience preparation for the purpose that he has for each one of us to walk out. And that's where Moses goes with this passage. For us, Lakeview Christian Center has been a family together toward the glory of God. It has been a family. It's been a fun family. I am so thankful for laughter. Our staff meetings are about 40% laughter, 60% something else, <laughs> but 40% laughter. We poke, we have fun, usually at Peter's expense. <laughs> He's a good sport. God has been steadfast and faithful in our familiness together, in our love toward others. Love toward others who, who have sinned against us. Reminders of those who have passed on into eternity and we recognize there's a love. People that we've sinned against and have forgiven us. There's an enormous, an enormous glory of God taking place in that, in that time. Experiences of the presence of God together as the people of God. That's what a faith family is all about. So it's not, it's, it's not out of a sense of some nagging that we encourage you to be a part of meetings outside of this meeting. And how we might say, come to this meeting in a commitment way that proves commitment. That doesn't come to church with a, a coin I got my coin purse, and I'm just going to put a few things in there. I'm going to hit B6, and then I'm going to get my bag of chips and head out for a little while, and then I'll come back to church when I'm hungry again or needy. I need some food. But a commitment that shows I'm here, and I'm known. I want to know people around me. I wanna... So it's not, it's not a nagging thing. We want to experience the presence of God together. We want that. We, we pray for that to happen at Christ Community Church the same exact way we've been able to experience it here because it's been awesome. It has been so fun to see God together. Missions trips, seeing God heal people. Me personally, it's youth camps. We had some great, great times. God's steadfast love in refining us 
prepares us to be used for bringing glory, his fame, to the earth so it spreads like wildfire through us. That's what he longs for. His exaltation, his glory. And it is no, it is a sacrifice, but it is an eternal sacrifice that we say the cost is minimal to us, to our own comfort and ease, in order for God's fire to be awakened in us and seen through us in our workplaces, homes, neighborhoods, everywhere that we are. Why? So people can look at us and say, God is great. I want to know him. How do I know him? That's his purpose for us. He wants his glory to fill this earth. And God, in his loving care for us, he finds us, he communicates his love to us, and then he stirs up a nest. Look at verse 11. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, bearing them up on its pinions. The Lord alone guided him. No foreign god was with him. Here Moses uses an example of an eagle to demonstrate who God has been to his people. God has has been a loving God to his people, a patient God to his people, comforting his people. Even in the face of complaints, and annoyance, when he wanted to wipe everybody out, his heart was still, this is my people. He wants a people for his own glory, for their joy and his glory. He's finding those people, he's bringing them into a nest, he's bringing them into a family, in a church. And it's comfortable, this has been a wonderful nest for us all. And God, in his, in his desire for us to fulfill the purpose he has for us, he wants us to soar. Isaiah 40, through Isaiah, God's telling his people, if you wait on the Lord, you will mount up with wings as eagles. There's, there's a soaring aspect. There's a spreading out of our wings to see God. I, I want to see how you're going to move. I want to see what you're going to do. I want to... I want to experience you. When an, an eagle stirs, usually when an eagle builds a nest, whether it be on a rock cliff or in a tree, just learn this in dead trees. Eagles build nests in de- dead trees, not live trees. Don't know why that is, but that's what their preference is. As they're building that nest, they usually will take fur from an animal they've killed uh, or that's been killed and put it in the nest so it, it buffers from the, the, the rocks and branches that would be poking at them. It buffers them, so their eaglets are sitting in there very comfortable. And when an eagle comes to stir up the nest, it doesn't just, sometimes an eagle can just pick up one with a talon and throw them out. What it, if it senses, the eagle senses that the eaglets won't obey, won't go, when it's trying to flutter and everything, let's go, let's move out, let's get out of here. It, actually, the eagle will begin taking the feathers away, taking that comfortable layer away, so the eaglets begin feeling the pokes of the branches. Let's draw that out a little bit, because I think that's our experience at church. If we just, if we are sitting there waiting to be comfortable, or, or in our comfort, let's say. We're waiting, and we're being fed, and it's great, and I'm just here, and I'm just doing what I, I just feel great doing, and people around me are just, they're doing their thing, and I'm just sitting here waiting to be fed, and it's just great, it's great, it's great. At some point, a branch is going to poke you in the butt. And usually that branch is going to be somebody, is another person. 
situation that takes place that causes you to interpret, wait a minute, this is disturbing my comfort. I don't like this. And then in our own fallenness and, and tendence toward the sin that remains in us, we begin become critical of the other person. Why did you just remove that comfort? I mean, that was my comfort. I'm over here being fed. I'm not bothering you. I'm just, leave me alone. Let me get fed. That's not God's purpose for us in church. He wants us to soar. There is a time where you're nurtured and you are protected and you are comfortable. But when God begins to stir that, I hope we, we learn to sense in our own hearts the, the uneasiness and the restlessness. It's the, the spiritual restlessness of, I, I just can't, I, God, what are you doing? I don't, I don't, what's going on here? I can't figure me out. and I don't know what this is that's stirring up in me. And I don't know, I can't shake it because every time I go to pray, I'm feeling it. And, and every time I go to church, somebody says something that makes me think about it again. God, what are you doing? And we can ignore that and just say, look, I'm, just, I'm looking to be comfortable. That's what I want to do. Or we can lean into it. God, are, are you stirring me? Am I, am I soaring? Have I launched out? Everybody has their own specific category that God wants them to launch in. For us, launching a, a church plant on the North Shore feels like free-falling in the sky. <laughs> and we don't have wings. <laughs> so we think. <laughs> we just haven't learned to stretch those wings out yet. And we're kind of we stretching about this much? This much? Let's bring it back in. So for all of us, we, we're, it's, it's an exciting time, but it also feels like this free fall, kind of like we're going to crash any moment. It's going to boom, be annihilated on the ground. If we focus on ourselves, that's where we're going to end up. But the eagle is the point of this. The eagle who thrust the eaglet out, swooping down, providing the example of wings outstretched, but coming under that eaglet to carry them on, on its wings, flying around, and they'll tip again, let the eaglet fall off again, to make sure that they see, they see the example, but they're also understanding if I'm not going to fall to my death. But when God stirs us and we, we, we're looking to take a step of faith, we're not sure about it, doubt will always, always be right next door to us. We think, well, uh, even if it's, if it's stepping out in a covenant group setting to say, you know, I feel like the Lord has put a word on my heart, and I, I, those of you have been used this way, the first few times when the heart's beaten and you feel like it's going to jump right out of your chest, is, is my heart literally bouncing up and down? Is my chest, can everybody notice what's happening to me? Are you hot? Uh, this, I'm, I'm about to break into a sweat. What's going on here? You feel like the world is coming to an end. <laughs> Free-falling. <laughs> Doubt. Oh, I'm, I didn't hear from God. No, 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 no. I didn't hear anything. Not sharing anything. Not doing anything. But God's there. You know what's cool? Is God is there in the form of your friends, your brothers and sisters in Christ, who say, it's okay. Share. Step out. Serve. I, it is a... want to exaggerate what I'm about to say. I think a common temptation for folks coming into a church as blessed as we are 
and with as much activity we have going on, and things are kind of moving locomotive rate, where the, it's, everything's pretty much cruising, it can be a common temptation for folks who are added to this family to think, well, everything's taken care of. They don't need me. No, 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 no. God wants you to spread some wings out and spreading your wings out in the context of this nest is one of the best things that can ever, ever happen for the day that it spreads outside of this nest, in the workplace, in the neighborhood, in families, that you know you've been praying for these family members for years and there seems to be no movement whatsoever spiritually. Spreading wings out to have another conversation. To ask the Lord to provide spiritual insight in particular categories is spreading out. So he's being available. God, I'm just listening. I'm available. I want to hear what you're saying in order to minister and serve those around me. God stirs up the nest so his glory can be seen and known. Doubt will come, but God is right by us. And we find in Scripture that the righteous will live by faith. And God, I think in Romans chapter 1, Paul uh, kind of hints at this, that the gospel is revealed from faith to faith or for faith. I think what the Lord is revealing to his people is you can't just have one degree of faith. You grow. You grow in it. And as you're growing in it, you're beholding the greatness and glory of God. He's expanding. He's greater than he's ever been. He's more majestic and beautiful than he's ever been. And therefore, it's going to find expression in our lives. And we're going to have opportunity to step out in faith. Because as he gets bigger, we can't just sit and think, okay, everything's good now. I see God. That's great. That's because it's the purpose of his revelation is to be seen through us. We see it in Abraham. Every, in Abraham's life, as he was called, every moment that God encountered him was another moment for him to express faith in God. And, and it's not, it, it wasn't the same faith that was expressed initially. It's the same root. But it's not the same degree because God is revealing himself more and more and more to Abraham. And as he reveals himself more and more and more, Abraham says, well, of course I trust you. And yeah, what you're telling me is sounds very difficult. Uh, I'm old. I can't have a child in my own natural reasoning. And my body's telling me that. And how do I? He believed him. Romans 4, Abraham hoped against hope. <laughs> he had nothing left to hope on that he saw in the natural. He just said, God, I'm just hoping on everything you revealed to me. That's the promise. And that's what I'm holding on to. That is what we wait on the Lord with. We see Christ supremely and preeminent in our lives. We wait on him holding, attaching ourselves to him. There's going to be the expression of launching out and soaring as God removes comfort, stirs up the nest. God's redeemed us so he can mature us to live by faith. Proverbs 17 verse 3 says, the crucible is for silver. The furnace for gold, and the Lord tests hearts. God does not allow us, thankfully, he doesn't allow us to sit and be us. <laughs> he, he stirs us so we become like Christ. And we know that he is the eagle. We see in Ezekiel chapter 1, Revelation 4, that God, in one of the images to describe himself and to reveal himself, is an eagle. God is the one Working in us 
for his good pleasure, striving, <coughs> striving in us to see his glory and his reflection through us. That's what his desire is. He will always be with us. He will always be with Lakeview Christian Center as you mount up your wings as eagles by waiting for him. He will always be with Christ Community Church. But we're going to miss a lot of things here. We're going to miss relationships. We're going to miss familiarity with people and the ongoings of life. Hey, how's such and such? Hey, how's the job? Well, I switched jobs. Oh, really? That's what we have to look forward to. Not having that familiarity like we want, uh, we've been able to share and benefit from. We're going to miss faithful ministry from the pulpit. I, I, I've asked the team, pray for me. Pray for me. As a preacher of God's word, pray for me. But I'm going to miss Keith and Peter preaching. Because they have ministered to my soul in so many ways through the preached word. One of the great comforts probably the greatest comfort for us is that we're only 30 miles away. <laughs> Absolutely greatest comfort. <laughs> hey, we need some help. We're right there. All right. Whew. But we get to benefit. We get to piggyback. We get to, we get to enjoy influence. And we don't ever, ever, ever desire or anticipate that influence changing. We, we look for, it is, I think it has the many characteristics of a child being birthed from this place. All the characteristics, the flavor, the smell of the home, all of those. It's, there's the familiarity that we're going to bring because we're family together. And we don't, wanna, we don't want the influence to ever go away. We still want your prayers. We will still be praying. We've been faithful. I can say we've been faithful to pray for you all the time. We have a Wednesday morning prayer time. During the Bible studies we've been having on Thursday nights, we have prayed for Lakeview because we, we desire God's glory to shine more than ever. I do think there is a, and we've, as, as a pastoral team, we've recognized this for the past couple of years, there is a transition going on that is one that lends itself to a refining of Lakeview Christian Center. But you know why things, well, you, you refine gold until you can see your reflection in it because that's when you know all the impurities have gotten out, and silver the same way. Uh, that's what God does with us. He, he, he stirs us enough, refines us, transforms us, conforms us in the image of his son until he's pleased with the image that he sees coming out of us. But there's a, there's a desire that we all have to be used by God. And we, we can't tuck that desire away as if it's not as if it's too prideful. It's not. There, John Newton, one of my favorite dead pastors, author of uh, Amazing Grace, he said, it is, it is a God thing to aim for high things. God gives that desire to his people. He gives us the function of soaring because that's where he's called us and to operate in what he's, if we just sit in the nest and never do anything, it stagnates. And then we quit we're convinced we can never do it. But there's a, there's a pruning also happening in this church, and you prune something in order to get more fruit from it. God has been pruning, and, and I hope uh, 
think there's levels of people that attend here at Lakeview. You have people that just, uh, you just show up to be connected to hearing the preached word. But for you, it could be that you hear it uh, here, or maybe you just count one of the, the things on the radio or internet or TV as the preached word, and that's sufficient for you. That, if I, I, don't, I don't, probably don't know you well enough to, for you to know my heart. My heart is I love you. If you are God's, I love you. But that's the wrong concept of what God wants for your life. Because God wants you in a context where he can use you to serve. There's other of you that have been attending and, and you're committed, but you haven't begun serving yet. Serve. In a church plant, it's all hands on deck. Nobody has an option to sit back and not do anything. At this point, and, and people have responded so well to serving categories, at this point I'm going, wait a minute, we can't have everybody serving because then nobody's going to be able to welcome a visitor. <laughs> so every, it's, everybody plays a part. Everybody is, is on deck, ready to go. So it is true for Lakeview Christian Center. Everybody plays a part. Please don't fall into temptation that, well, it's handled, it's going all right, I'm okay. No, the God, God wants us to soar. He wants us to, he stirs us, he gets us out of the nest for his kingdom agenda to take place in our lives. He wants us to move forward. He wants us to experience things in him for the ultimate purpose of proclaiming him in a lost and dying world. The promise that we have is in verse 13 and 14 that God supplies everything for us. He supplies his promises for the future based on what he supplied for us in our past. That's why this morning we can, we can look back in order to launch forward. We can look back at all the, as a team going on this plant, we can look back and say, God, you have been so faithful to us, never once letting us down. That's who you'll be for us. Though the details are sketchy and they have question marks on them and we can't seem to get insured. God, you're going to be with us. He's been faithful every step of the way. During our time here, it will also be for the future. The same for everybody here at church. And the blessings don't simply highlight all the blessings that Moses listed, lists. They're things that they experienced in their wilderness journey during that 40 years. But it's also looking forward to crossing the Jordan and what they're experiencing in the promised land. So he's taking this now and not yet component who God has been in the past for you that you can recall mentally clearly. That's who he's going to be, but more and better. The blessing doesn't simply highlight the meeting of personal provision. God is into that, but it points to God who promises the blessing. What I am so thankful for and so anticipating is the partnership that we will be able to share in the gospel. And may it go forth from here to the nations. May that be who we, who we become as a family. It's It's, it's family. And it's partnership for the gospel. We can look back and say, look at all that God has done. And not just sit back and say, wow, isn't it great? But we look back, we consider God has been great to us, let's go. The question is, it's easy for us who are planting the church, let's go means, 
Let's get started. But what does let's go mean for Lakeview Christian Center, particularly you here in this church? Because God's saying, let's go. Let's mount up. Let's serve. There's a harvest field all around us, no matter where we are. The harvest field is compelling to us on the North Shore because we're just meeting person after person after person that's got a cup filled with sand and, and, and deceiving themselves into thinking that it even tastes like water because they're looking for living water. But you have those people in your life too that are just walking around with a mug, asking, looking, direct me, show me. You want to turn quickly to Matthew chapter 9. Verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the, the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. There's a lot going on in this. A lot. It starts in the heart of Christ the compassion he has for those that he's looking at. He's healed them. People have come, they're experiencing something, but yet he said it's only temporary for them. They long for something more. They're sheep, they're harassed. Sheep without a shepherd. They're being picked on by cosmic forces they're even unaware of. And then he says to his disciples, he doesn't just go out, zap everybody, all right, Holy Spirit, save them all. He says to his disciples, he's commissioning them. He says, now it's your turn to soar. And, and the other account of this in Luke, this is when the 72 are sent out. And he commissions them. You're being sent out as what? Lambs in the midst of wolves. All right, thanks for that comfort, Jesus. I'm just going to go sit back down. It's tough. But he says first, out of his heart, pray to the Lord of the harvest. It's plentiful. The harvest on the North Shore is compelling to us. The harvest, uh, hopefully you recognize the harvest that's around you, where you live, in the context, and the modes of how you live life. The harvest is plentiful. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Will you pray? I am excited with the, the resurgence movement of prayer in this church. For those of you who have been praying, you're stalwarts when it comes to prayer. Thank you. May you not look on everybody else coming up to pray as, well, we've been doing this for years. But may you be refreshed. May you be refreshed by, by the anthem of prayer going before the, the Lord's throne to, to his exaltation. But we need to continue with it. The American church is way too familiar with short-term commitments expecting long-term outcomes. It doesn't work that way in the kingdom. 
The kingdom agenda is you work at it. As pastors for years, we have been longing and looking, praying for prayer to have this resurgence. And it, it felt like, uh, for the guys, you know this, unless it's uh, Vic McCullough or Billy Douglas, you won't sympathize with this example. But during the championship game, LSU-Alabama last year, when LSU could not do anything, that's how we felt when it came to prayer. We can't get past the 50-yard line. No wonder we're not scoring anything. No wonder we're being thrown all over the field. We're not praying. And it became almost a frustration to us. God, God, you tell us to pray. Nobody wants to pray. This resurgence is answered prayer. Let's keep on with it. Let's keep on going. Because we, we pray and then we ask God for laborers and we also put our hand up. God, will you, will you send laborers to the harvest field? Volunteering ourselves, not expecting somebody else to do it. God, you've given me eyes, you've given spirit discernment to see situations, circumstances around me. Lord, use me. It takes faith to do that. It takes faith to step out and beyond what's comfortable and trying to figure out how this is going to work out and watch God do awesome, awesome things. Will you go? Will you go in the context that he has before you now? Will you take steps of faith? Where is he calling you to take a step of faith? Will you take that step of faith trusting him? It's not a free fall. We don't have to doubt it, but it's God. It's God being God. Going into a world that is quite content to reject him. That's the world we're called to go to. And if God peels back a bit of that fur till we get a little poke in the backside, it says something about us. Am I willing to go to somebody that's not going to like what I'm saying? Because the very thing I'm terrified of is I'm not going to make sense and I'm going to look like a fool. Yeah. We don't make sense. <laughs> It didn't make sense to you before you were saved. But that's the power of the gospel. Will we look like fools? Absolutely. We don't have to be foolish. We will look like fools. What are you talking about? You really believe that? With all my heart. And we have church history to show us men and women that have been burned at the stake yet never, ever said, okay, 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 that's it, no more. Uh, Jesus is false. Never. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be rejection. But we find the pinnings of God, pinions, in this family, in the church family that he's provided for us. Let's pray together. I have to share, I am, I am uh, overjoyed to have Stu and Nancy Mass on, on this church plant. 
because I've never known church without them. And they get to be very familiar with me. I'm so grateful that my mom's coming. Because she doesn't want to leave Lakeview either. <laughs> On this church planting team, I think now I'm the fourth youngest. And I love it. I'm not calling them old, but they're old. But I find so much delight in God taking seasoned saints later in life and rustling them up, stirring up the nest. Stu just said, we're old. We don't want to start over. But yet, their willingness has set an example for all of us to say, the harvest is plentiful. Let's respond. Let's depend upon God for all that he is. And let's see all that he's going to do. Lord, I, I cannot, as I've told you many times this week, I cannot put into words my gratitude for this church. Thank you that this is not uh, the end, but it's a transition. Though it will be different, Father, I thank you that we'll still have partnership. We'll still have influence from this wonderful, blessed church. And God, we highlight your blessing. We highlight your faithfulness in this place. We highlight your faithfulness in investing in all of us, nurturing all of us to take steps of faith, no matter how small they are in the beginning, to launching out eventually. God, you're the one maturing us. You're the one investing in us. But thank you so much that we have people around us that we can thank. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But we, we confess, I confess, we, we don't want to be uncomfortable. We don't want to start over. We don't want to start fresh. When we labored and labored and there seems to be something good happening. But Lord, we, we also don't want to reject your desire to prune and refine us because there's always more fruitfulness. There's always more fruitfulness that we can enjoy as you enjoy the fruit that comes from our lives. Lord, would you bless us? Would you cause your face to shine upon us, giving us peace? Because that's what's got us here. And we ask that it would continue for your glory, for your great son's exaltation.